You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Fly on the Call. This week's guest is Future Teens, who just put out a fantastic release with Deliberately Alive. Breakup season has ironically been the soundtrack to many car rides I go on with my fiancé, in order to give me outdoor time since I've been working fully from home. This new EP is a great extension of that. This discussion hits on the remote writing process and a one-day retreat to get all the arrangements done, sharing intensely personal feelings with your bandmates, friends, and fans, building a community you believe in, their cover of Shares Believe, and more. Before we get into the interview, I just wanted to mention that the show hit the milestone of 500 followers on Twitter. Well, by many standards, that's not a lot. Flying the Call has been the first thing that I've built up on my own from nothing. With the help of some awesome supportive people, of course. It means so much that I've found a community that cares about the bands I talk to and connected with the way I talk to them. My dream is for the show to be a place for people to find diverse new music and create the types of long-term invested fans that I am. I feel like I'm totally on the right track. Thank you so much for being here, and be sure to follow the show on both Twitter and Instagram, at Pod. So you're the first to see the deets of a big giveaway I'll be announcing soon to celebrate. I feel like the line, if I'm going to be someone deliberately alive, how can I do it right, kind of perfectly embodies the like underlying humor, like sardonic realism of future teens. I'm curious kind of like where that comes from and what you feel about that it is that, you know, fans connect to. Yeah, um, that phrase deliberately alive is something I've like sat on for a long time and been like thinking about especially this year with like the loneliness involved in living and how so much of this year made me feel uh it just like put into perspective my like mental health and a lot of the stuff that I needed to work on that line is specifically meant to describe the way that like uh the feeling of the feeling when staying here is the harder choice to make um, and like choosing to be alive when you don't really want to. And that line is about making that choice and trying to make the best of a thing you really don't want to do. Yeah. I, I really like how you kind of like take that and, you know, kind of flip it on its head and make it like a rallying cry rather than like a negative thing. Yeah. That was the hope. And I mean, I feel like that kind of like, like I said, that underlying humor would could potentially feel like a bit put on if it wasn't for the fact that um, as a band, you're not like afraid to say exactly what you're thinking or feeling in the lyrics kind of like without shrouding it in metaphor. Um, is that like natural or is that like a kind of a conscious, conscious decision to make that like part of the future team style? Huh, that's a good question. Uh, um, I think it's, it's, uh, so Amy and I write the, the lyrics for, for the songs. And I think we both have both sides. Like, I think we both are able to find the levity in difficult or 
um, challenging situations, whether that's like romantic or friendship, you know, fallouts or, or whatever else we're, we're dealing with at the time. That being said, there's sometimes it is, it is more challenging if we're like, okay, this song is very sad and there's, I haven't inserted any of the humor that I feel about the situation into it yet. So like, what's some, what are some ways when we're working on lyrics, what are some ways to kind of um, include that? So it's like, even if it's uh, doesn't come naturally to every song we're working on, we definitely do make it a a concerted effort to, to include that part of our personality in the song. Um, Because I think there's just, there's a way I think sometimes singing a really brutally sad song over and over uh, live can be uh, really difficult to do and can, you know, take a lot out of you, which can be cathartic, but also sometimes including some like, okay, like this situation was difficult, but wasn't it funny when I was, you know, uh, throwing up in my crushes, ex-boyfriend's house in the middle of the night you know like (laughs) like that was pretty funny even though it was really brutal so and that's actually unfortunately true although I haven't put that in a song yet um um so yeah so I think it's 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 kind of both it definitely comes naturally sometimes but other times we have to think about it a little a little harder and like during the writing process is is it hard for you to be like that vulnerable and hard on your sleeve or does that kind of come naturally I I feel really fortunate to like, this is the only band I've ever really co-written in. Um, I feel like writing has like largely been a really solitary process until future teens. And I, uh, I think we're really lucky that we have the friendship we do that allows for that kind of vulnerability and for us to kind of rib each other and be like, okay, but like, what do you mean by this? And then, dude, just like, just say, say what you mean then. You don't have to like code it in anything. Just say the thing. Um, It's been like a really cool exercise in taking ourselves less seriously and also a cool exercise in like learning to share ourselves with our friends. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you've said before how kind of the goal with the band is to like make music that you love and have fun playing, you know, rather than kind of like analyzing it on the the criteria of like whether it'll be a hit or whether it'll be like successful or not um and it sounds like that was kind of like a very freeing thing for you when you realized that that could kind of like be a thing (laughs) can you talk a little bit about like that process yeah so that's that's sort of always been a a tenet of the band to to not take ourselves too seriously um and that doesn't mean like we don't put a lot of thought into what we're writing or what we're recording or tours or, or whatever else, but just that um, it it sort of reminds us to appreciate everything that's come with being in this band uh, and, and not taking things for granted. Like, you know, I, I remember the first shows, like I can think of like the first shows we played where people started singing our lyrics back to us, it was definitely like a holy shit moment. Um, and I think it's easy to, to then, you know, and then you come back to the, the, the same place and more people are singing. It's easy to be like, 
oh cool like they're still singing but it's like no there's actually more people singing now and that's there's three times as many people or there's there's five people who came up to us and said like your record really helped me through a difficult time and uh it's it's important for us to every time that happens to be like to share it with the rest of the band uh and uh you know just it's so meaningful each time you know it doesn't lose meaning uh as long as you appreciate it each time it happens that being said when i personally and i think all of us were, were working on breakup season i definitely felt a lot of internal pressure not pressure from the outside but you know i i was proud of hard feelings but it also was like the first thing the band put out so it was kind of like let's see if this band has legs to it and then when people did respond well to it, it was like okay now put something else out that people are going to enjoy and there's definitely some internal pressure to like i want to write songs people enjoy but i also want to write songs that i'm proud of and i enjoy so it's a it was i would say a more difficult balance for me on breakup season than with these new songs where I was like, okay, people seem to enjoy breakup season. And I, I felt that was a little freeing. Like I was scared of the sophomore slump, I think, even though <laughs> I don't know if that's a real thing or not. I but uh it was definitely on my mind and and much less on my mind when we were writing Deliberately Alive and and even less so now when I'm not even thinking about like I don't even know when we're gonna get to play these songs live. So it's like, I'll just keep writing and hopefully eventually we get to play these for people. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the the kind of space from hard feelings to breakup season sounds like it was, you know, a kind of a big change with Amy, you know, officially being in the band and being like the first, you know, time that you two were able to really collaborate on the songwriting process. I'm curious how it kind of, you know, evolved with these songs you know from breakup season now that you're you you're kind of you know even more comfortable with each other it was really the biggest difference with this record was that we were writing totally remotely so we were like on facetime sharing our feelings (laughs) and though there's like certainly some overlap in themes in each of our writing right now And over the last year, it's not as in sync as it was during breakup season writing stuff. Um, During breakup season, Daniel and I were each going through our own, like, very life-altering endings, um, like, romantic and otherwise. So that really set the stage for us to, like, relate to each other in a, a really specific experience. And these songs require, like, a different kind of, required a different kind of vulnerability because like like not everything I was going through that brought guest room out of me was something that like Daniel had directly held and not everything that um, he was going through uh, to like write play cool was something that I could directly relate to. So I think it was both a, a stretch in like sharing and listening, but in like, I it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel stretched. It just felt like, cool I get to see like a different part of my friend than I did last time and still be every bit as grateful for their perspective and and support for sure yeah I mean what what did that kind of like that uh you know remote writing process kind of look like for you guys um it it wasn't 
I mean, the the biggest difference was before pandemic began, we were pretty consistently playing weekly or or biweekly, um, like all together in my in my basement. And so not having that was to to develop the arrangements was uh, very different. The in terms of writing lyrics and like the bones of the songs, that's something Amy and I usually do, just the two of us anyway. So the only difference was we were on FaceTime doing it, um, which is slightly different, but not not as different as it was to to try to arrange the songs, uh, which we did all in like one day uh, up in a distanced in a barn in New Hampshire. A barn, not a bar. Sorry, I don't know if that was clear. <laughs> um, just like went to the bar and worked on. No, but uh, so we had like one day to do it all, pretty much. And we we both we all had ideas um, floating around, and but making sure they all came together because we only had this one weekend to to arrange everything was was definitely not as free as making the last record, but. That being said, I'm still proud of how it came out. And sometimes having like a fire under your butt can improve your, uh, what's the word? I don't know, just your effectiveness in, in arranging it. Uh, so I look forward to, to the next one, though, when, we're, when we get to hopefully be, you know, working on the songs over a longer period of time. And I mean, in like the time, you know, since it was, since the EP was recorded, have you kind of like thought of any like changes that you either would have made or like might make to, you know, when you play them live eventually in the future? I try not to listen to anything uh, once it's mixed and mastered until it's released. So I haven't really sat with any of it, but I do imagine playing these songs live and how fun it's going to be and like what the transitions could look like all the time because I miss playing shows so much. Yeah. I mean, the, the fun of the live show is something that really, you know, stood out to me. The first time I saw you was opening up for the, the one year's Halloween show. I, I missed the Carly Wright cover set, but I, I got there just in time for you guys to come back out. Um, and I feel like you can really tell, you know, how much fun you're having. And I, I've seen mentioned that, you know, you're kind of searching for, you know, one small moment of catharsis, at least while you're performing. I'm curious, what do those moments kind of like look like for you? Uh, it's it's funny you mentioned that because that was something we we talked about. I think on that it must have been on that tour, maybe the tour that led uh, that that led up to when we went down to Fest. But we were kind of talking about like what are the moments in the show for us that if you're sort of like. You know, by the end of last or uh, the end of 2019, we were we had been touring quite a lot, and so it, it's it's uh, maybe needless to say, but it can be exhausting, and so sometimes you just take a, a small moment in the set, maybe like a, a particularly loud rock out moment, like uh, in like alone at the party or so what, where you just kind of let loose, like you're not thinking like am I singing perfectly in tune? Am I playing perfectly in time? Am I hitting all the right pedals? It's like, you're just kind of able to completely let loose. And those are at least, I think for most of us, when that sort of catharsis really happens, uh, when you're not, when you're not thinking, I guess, really, it's like, you're, you're just in the, in the zone, I suppose. Yeah, and I feel like those kind of like, 
the dynamics of future teens are a huge part of the sound, you know, with like the, the super electric rocking highs and the, you know, kind of somber ambient lows. Um, how do you kind of like balance those two sides of things, especially in the live show? Um, we're all, um, each of us individually are really obsessive about our, our tone. <laughs> um, and like in practice, uh, constantly like, making tiny tiny tweaks to our pedal boards and like Colby with his drums is like showing up with with some new symbol or something like this is going to be so cool on this song because it's so dark and it's it's like it's extremely fun for us to um like figure out the dynamics of the thing and like how our tones are going to interact I remember that being like one of the things that Daniel and I like originally um, really bonded over was how our, our styles uh, are so, our like, guitar playing is so different, but meets in the middle in a really nice way. And finding, finding a balance between those like huge moments and the quiet moments from like what they look like when we're recording uh, to what they look like live is honestly, relatively seamless. We try to make the records pretty close to what they're going to, to what we're going to play them like live. Yeah. I think, I think it's cool. You picked up on the dynamics because that's definitely something we're constantly thinking about and honestly, constantly changing. There's always like little thing, maybe one person, one night of a show will play something slightly different. And the next day in the van will be like, Oh, during what's my sign? Like, you did this fill before the second chorus, like let's all do that together. And then like during the next um, sound check, we'll just work on it and add it into the show, you know? So it's, I think being, we're always open to new ideas and ways to improve the songs, even though they're already, they're already out. Um, That being said, we, when we're recording, like Amy said, we do, we do tend to obsess over how, how everything is going to sound and, uh, uh, you know, down to the, to the symbols or the tuning of the snare. So, um, but we're all on the same page about it. So it's not like no one's like, just play whatever, you know, it's, we don't have that attitude. It's like, we're, we're very supportive of, of each of our interests in our, in our, in how our instrument is, is engaging with the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like this almost sounds like it goes against, you know, talking about the the big dynamic shifts, but I feel like you have a very, you know, a very consistent sound, like everything you do could like only be a future teen sound. Um, like there's so many bands where it's like, oh, okay, this sounds like, you know, early 2000s pop punk, or this sounds like 90s alt rock or whatever. Uh, maybe it's just like, uh, like blind spots in my, my musical frame of reference, but I'm curious, like, what are some, some of the influences that you had early on, like in make, shaping the future teen sound? Our influences are so across the board. Each of us has such a wildly different background. And I think that like ends up playing to our strengths. Yeah, I think there's there's some, I think often the things that we like, especially um, especially when Amy joined the band, the things that we agreed on seem so like obvious, like, yeah, we want to have harmonies. Like, like maybe that's not traditional rock, but like we love harmonies and we love singing harmonies. So like, let's put them on every song. It wasn't even like a question. Uh, 
and um yeah i don't know i think <laughs> honestly like i i i personally when i started the band hadn't played in a rock band in really any rock like truly just like rock bands ever and i i remember going to a show sort of in the scene we're in now before future teens existed and i saw everyone actually i was seeing prawn uh, i think they're from new jersey or something and i saw everyone in the crowd just like singing along in in the singer's face and like enunciating every word with their fist and like i just had that moment where like i want to do this <laughs> like i want to be at a show where like people are singing and happy to be there and they're not feeling self-conscious with their arms crossed in the back uh i was like maybe a band like i could be in a band like this so that was really the only goal at the onset was was being in a band where i can jump around on stage and uh finding other people who want to do the same thing and just like and like try even try and have fun every night you know even if like you're it's you're having a rough night uh or you're feeling sick or whatever it is you know just um everyone like putting in that effort and uh to just like smile at each other and you know I, we're not faking it though you know it's like we i've never had trouble having fun on stage even like when my voice is shot or I'm feeling ill or whatever, you know, um, like I, I literally, one of our tours, which was an amazing tour, besides the fact that I had the flu the whole time. Um, <laughs> so I couldn't even <laughs> sing for half the tour and Amy picked up the slack and, and sang on lead on like a bunch of songs that I usually sing lead on. And I still had fun. Like, you know, my, my, I couldn't, my throat was so swollen. I couldn't swallow any spit, but <laughs> it was still like, this is still um I'd, this is better than being on the couch at home so that's one way to recover for sure <laughs> it was listen i'm not gonna sugarcoat it like it was brutal <laughs> but having the flu is brutal anyway so anywhere you are it's brutal for sure yeah and i mean i guess going back to that idea of that like that unique consistency that i feel that future teens has um, one of the places that really stands out to me in particular is on like the sensitive sessions. Like I feel like not many bands can kind of do something like that and make it, you know, like really feel right. Make it feel like a full band experience. Can you talk a little bit about how you approached that EP? Um, it's pretty similar to how we approach arranging most of our songs, like the first time around where it was like, all right, if we could do, if we could do these songs any other way and like try to flip this story on its head, just using like, just using the arrangement and like use, use a vibe that's very different from what we did the first time to flip this on its head. What could we do? I think it's, it's important to us that like every song stands on its own like regardless of what we put behind it um, and then to be really thoughtful with those arrangements and try to make them play into like the story we're trying to tell lyrically and melodically and getting to do that with those songs and think about them in a new light and less about like let's let's rock out on these and more about um, like how can we how can we like sink further into this and still rock but more gently <laughs> yeah and i mean i feel like similarly you know your covers are very top-notch and kind of the kind that aren't 
indebted to the original versions necessarily. I, I feel like Believe on this EP is kind of the the crown jewel of that for me personally. Can you tell me a little bit about how you approached them and you know how that one specifically came together? So in 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 general with with covers, uh, often we've we've been lucky enough to get we've gotten asked to be on a lot of like benefit cover comps and we've put together a few as well. So uh, sometimes people will be like, all right, we're doing a cover comp of, you know, the theme is Tony Hawk skateboarder video game soundtrack. So pick a song from that. And so, you, you know, there's sometimes we're limited by like, maybe we wouldn't have chosen this cover otherwise. Um, that being said with believe uh, we, a couple years prior had done a cover set like for Halloween uh, and we chose, we kind of cheated a little bit. Usually everyone picks one band, but we chose kids bop disc one, uh, season, season one, disc one, um, <laughs> episode one, uh, which is just like front to back, amazing songs from the nineties, um, which is how we came up with our cover of all star and uh so when we got together for the like super condensed writing session it was like okay we want to put a cover on the cp what songs do we what songs are we already familiar with or that we've already you know uh had some experience arranging and i think the goal with arranging believe was kind of like i mean if (laughs) i think when we tried to learn it initially we were like sometimes we'd be like, let's just see what happens when we play the song as it, you know, sounds on the record, which uh, did not sound good when we played it. <laughs> With the, the production on that is awesome, but it's like, it's like a, you know, 90s disco hit. So we're like, okay, let's just go the opposite direction and see if we can make it into like, to me, I said this to Amy, I think it sounds, once Andy, our mix engineer, mixed it. I was like, this sounds like a Taylor Swift duet ballad. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> like, it wasn't what I was, exp- honestly, it wasn't what I was expecting when we when we worked on it. But it got to a place where it kind of just took on a life of its own. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad that it resonated with you and a few other people have told us that. Because we have put out a lot of covers now. And uh, I love that. But it's also like, it's, you know, we want to try and do something interesting with each one and do the song justice and service. So, um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that, uh, that we, that we did an okay job on this one. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those ones where like, I, I hadn't looked at the track listing before I put the EP on at first. And I didn't realize it wasn't a future June song until the chorus hit. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's good. I like to hear that. (laughs) And, um, I mean, the single that you have put out already, Guest Room, has, you know, backing vocals from people like Dan from The Wonders, Eric from Proper, dual releases from Pronoun and Oceanator, and I mean, so many more. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of like that that whole big musical community that you're a part of? We've been so dang fortunate to like, to have the friends that we have in rock music, I think in part of it is just like, we like this band, let's follow them on Twitter. And like, maybe we'll play a show with them when we were like booking DIY tours. Um, we like, we met proper completely by chance 
when we played a show in an extremely cold Long Island garage <laughs> on our like our first weekend or ever. And we've, we've stumbled into such amazing friends that way. And um, I think as far as like musical community goes, um, just like investing in a scene and seeking out like other bands and people you believe in has been like one of the most fulfilling parts of what we get to do right now. We've made such good friends with people who are incredible musicians and songwriters and just wonderful people that we love to keep up with. And and how does that kind of like changed, uh, you know, with everything being, you know, no shows in the last year, basically? Um. If anything, I would say getting people to record on that song was really easy because everyone was at home. <laughs> like we, I think we had like a, like less than two days or two days till it was getting mixed. And I would do, we just emailed a bunch of friends and I think pretty much everyone we emailed was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Or like, yeah, I just did it. And here it is. And so it, I think honestly, it would have been a lot harder to get yeah. that amazing crew of people if, uh, <laughs> if everyone wasn't stuck at home. Nice. And, I always like to wrap up the same way, which is by, you know, just asking for either a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately that you kind of wanted to share, whether it's, you know, music or life in general, whatever's kind of been on your mind. You want to each give one, Amy? You got, you got one in mind? Um, I don't yet. I, I have, I've had a thing that you said the other day, uh, ringing in my head, but oh. I don't want to, I don't want to steal your thunder. No, <laughs> no, say it. I'm curious. I, I have, I, I could think of some, I can make something else up. Okay. Um, Daniel has said this really nice thing about, um, like the pressure that we put on ourselves when we make a thing and it doesn't like immediately pop off. Um, like, People haven't, not as many people have like listened to the thing as we might want, but that's not because like, it's not because you're bad or everyone hates you. It's just because they haven't come across it yet. And like, there are lots and lots of people out there that might like your music or um, like anything you're working on or just you as a person, they just haven't met it yet. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the idea of expanding that to life. Cause it's true. It's like, like, I think, yeah, I said, uh, you've got fans out there that don't know you exist, <laughs> which yeah. sounds like so someone should coin that and make some money and read a bad book. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it's, I think the same goes for friendship, which it doesn't feel that way right now, because if, if we're being safe, it's hard to, to really, you know, meet new people, but, um, not impossible, but difficult, but yeah, there's like, there's friends out there that you don't have yet doesn't work quite as well but i think the idea does does remain the same where it's i think everyone will be hungry for that uh connection and it's a little scary you know to go back into a room with people and have social interaction especially if that was scary to begin with but i was saying this to my sister but i think the the pandemic has put a lot of things in perspective for everyone for better or worse um and taking that perspective you've gained uh you know out of the pandemic when it hopefully in some capacity ends this year um and and going through life with that i think for for me at least is uh i've i've learned a lot just about myself uh i, I just saw a good thread about some musicians talking about like 
I used to think that if I stopped touring, I would die. <laughs> and, and I think it was like Chris Farron and a couple other folks. But but now that I'm, you know, I haven't toured for a year, it's like, well, I'm okay. Like I, you know, it's been challenging in a lot of ways, but uh, just reassessing like what it means to be a musician and what it means to, to play a show. And uh, I think that can apply to, to, to anyone's uh, life, but especially as musicians, it's, it's been very, very different. So. Yeah. And uh, to paraphrase from Juno, if you tore, you will get COVID and you will die. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, oh, I was just quoting that, but I thought it was from Mean Girls, but it's oh, from oh, Juno. Maybe it, I think it oh, is no, Mean Girls. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right, Daniel. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. No, I was like, oh, I'm, no, it's, it's such a good, I was trying to, I'm glad you mentioned it because now I'm going to look that up because it's so good. Um, I also, I got COVID and I didn't die. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be careful out there. <laughs> be careful, wear a mask. <laughs> Heck yeah, future teens. You gotta love them. If you're not familiar with them, you should definitely correct that ASAP. They're one of the bands I'm most excited to see continue to grow and thrive. Deliberate Alive is out now via Take This Tart Records. Go stream it today. Flying the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. Special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyInTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyInTheCallPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for big news soon. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Numb But the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!